This is The Extraordinary Story, a podcast about the life of Christ. Jesus Christ, God himself, entered the confusing maze that is our world to show us who we are and to give us his cross as a ladder up and out. This is his story and ours, The Extraordinary Story. Brought to you by Ex Corde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Written and hosted by Tom Hoops. What makes us human? And how is it that Jesus Christ helps us understand what it is that makes us human? That's the question this podcast has been struggling with. I've always been told that we can understand ourselves by looking at Jesus Christ, but I never really understood why. So I've been investigating it with you, and we've talked about the ego drama versus the theodrama, how our lives have meaning that resounds in heaven. We talked about a life of self-giving and sacrifice and how living our lives for others makes us happier and more fulfilled. We have talked about how mankind is a storytelling animal and God is a storytelling God. In the coming episodes, we will talk about the presentation of Jesus in the temple, the visit by the Magi, and the opposition of King Herod. And it's a great way to talk about who we belong to ultimately, our religion, our king, our state, ourselves. Are we what we buy or are we what we worship? I think the answer has to deal with the major issues we face in life. And one of the major issues we face in life, at least I have, and I have it on good authority, you may have also, is that we all have a problem with organized religion. It alternately irks us, reassures us, repels some of us, but for others, it makes us feel rooted. Some people reject it out of hand. Other people are a little too into it, a little too oriented toward the externals of organized religion. So we're going to talk about all of that, but we're going to talk about basically five different things that happened in the life of Christ. First, he was named by St. Joseph. Second, he was marked with the sign of the covenant and presented in the temple by Mary and Joseph. He was sought out by King Herod, who wanted to kill him. And he was worshipped by the Magi. And last, he was driven into exile, driven into Egypt. So let's start with the naming of Jesus. What better place to start when we're talking about who we are? Because our name is very much a marker of our identity. It's the name given by our parents, so it represents who we are son or daughter of this particular person, members of this particular family. It's the way our credit card companies know us and how the state keeps track of us. And we are told again on good authority, when we hear from God, he will call us by our name. So throughout history, naming has always been associated with religion. And it certainly was in Jesus's day. The Gospel of Luke tells us at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. That would have happened on the octave of Christmas. In other words, the day where the church today celebrates Mary, Mother of God, but the church for many years uh, used to celebrate the circumcision on that day. Uh, significantly, it was Joseph who named Jesus. Matthew reported the words of the angel to Joseph, she will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is an enormous responsibility and honor for Joseph. Think of it, Adam named the animals and Joseph names the son of God. 
Well, he didn't get to choose the name because Joseph isn't in a place over Jesus that's analogous to the place of Adam over the animals. Rather, he conferred this name that had been chosen not by him and gave it to the Son of God. So Moses got to hear the name of God when he met him at the burning bush, and his name was I Am. And that sums God up. Everything else fades away. Everything else decays. Everything else becomes a was. But before it all and through it all and after it all, God always remains an is. Moses heard the name from God. Joseph speaks the name for God to the Son. This child is Jesus, he who saves. So Jesus means he who saves. Joshua is exactly that name, and Joshua saved the Israelites from many things in a temporal way, but Jesus is Savior forever. Everyone else is in the maze that we speak about for themselves to one degree or another, but not Jesus. He's only entered the maze that is our world to save us, to show us a way up and out. Matthew mentions the prophecy, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, that is, God with us. And I always wondered, well, okay, if that prophecy is so important, why don't we call him Emmanuel? And the first thing I noticed when I opened my new Word on Fire Gospels was that that question is on one of the first pages. And St. John Chrysostom points out that the important word there is they. They will call him Emmanuel, saying he is God with us. But Joseph will name him properly, give him the name Jesus. Jesus saves by being God with us. So just to say the name of Jesus is to go from Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, which means forsaken by God, to Emmanuel, which means God with us. So a name is an icon of a person. We all have probably noticed this at a party. It's enough to mention the name of someone who is absent for everyone to react as if the person is there with a laugh or a shudder or a, ah, I wish she was here. The name of God has that power to a far greater degree. Some boast of chariots and some of horses, says the psalm, but we boast of the name of the Lord God. Just to name him is to call down his presence, or better, is to acknowledge that his presence is always here with us. I love the way C.S. Lewis put it when he spoke about Aslan, who is the stand-in for Christ in his Narnia series. At the name of Aslan, each of the children felt something jump inside them, he writes. Edmund felt a sense of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if a delicious smell or beautiful bit of music had just floated by her. And Lucy got the feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and realize that it is the beginning of holidays or the beginning of summer. End quote. Well, that's what happens with the name of Jesus. St. Paul said, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Jewish people have a high regard for the sacredness of names, especially God's. So Paul, who had come to see Jesus was God, was ready to consider Jesus' name significant in the way the Father's name is significant. Jesus himself taught us how significant the Father's name is when he taught us the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, where we say, Hallowed be thy name. Well, Paul is teaching us to consider Jesus' name with the same reverence and awe. 
Jesus' name was prophesied in the Old Testament. Isaiah described the coming Savior by saying, You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will give. But Jesus' name is not new. It's Joshua. And it's as common today, Joshua is, as Jesus is in uh, countries south of the American border. Well, Aquinas explains how this very common name was new in Jesus. Other Joshua's, quote, were saviors in a particular and temporal sense. But in the sense of a spiritual and universal salvation, this name is proper to Christ, and thus it is a new name, end quote. When God names somebody, he's telling us what he wants from that person. Abram was renamed Abraham, which means a father of many nations, and he got his mission that way. Jesus renamed Peter Rock to say that he was going to build a church on Peter and not on sand, on rock. So Jesus sums up who the Lord is, as we said, he's Savior. Well, the name of Jesus is going to echo throughout this podcast. We heard it first from the voice of Gabriel in the episode about the Annunciation. It'll appear throughout his life, and then it'll be placed on his cross by Pilate. Pilate will mean by those words, Jesus, King of the Jews, to mock him. But ironically, it sums up who Jesus is for us, the Jewish king who saves us. Then, after Jesus dies, the name will only grow in power. In his first sermon, Peter will recall the ancient prophecy of Joel. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and he will tell the first converts that the name they have to call on to be saved is Jesus of Nazareth. Later, Peter will tell the lame man at the temple gate called Beautiful, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So the name will literally save people, literally heal people. Later, we'll see that suffering in the name of Jesus is itself seen as special. When the apostles were imprisoned for the first time in the history of the church, they were delighted afterwards, and the text tells us they were, quote, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. In the Catholic Church's history, this name will become extremely important over and over again. In the 15th century, St. Bernardine of Siena would carry a huge banner with the name Jesus with him through the countryside to get attention, but also to his missions to preach about the power of this great name. Later, St. Isaac Jogues would celebrate the name in a much less ornate way. He was a French priest who was sent in the 1600s to the Algonquin Indians in northern New York until a rival tribe tortured and killed him. But he had a great devotion to the name Jesus. And he wrote, How often on the stately trees of Osirnanon did I carve the most sacred name of Jesus, so that seeing it, the demons might take to flight, and hearing it, they might tremble with fear. But St. Thomas Aquinas said it best. He wrote, Truly, it must be said that this name, Jesus, is of great and manifold power, for it is a refuge for the penitent, a remedy for the sick, a strength for those struggling, a support for those praying, because it confers pardon from sin, the grace of health, victory to those tempted, the power and confidence to obtain salvation. Therefore, because you are a Savior, be Jesus to me. And this is actually a great aid in prayer. If you find that your mind's a blank, you can't think of what to say, you're not connecting with God in your prayer, just say, and this is you know an ancient 
practice is to say the Jesus prayer. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So the naming of Jesus is a kind of summary of the whole incarnation. This shows how God truly pitched his tent among us. It shows that God doesn't look at us from afar, but delights in being right here with us. He isn't too good for us. He's one of us. He's certainly almighty, but he is also our brother and our friend. I'm fascinated by one number in the catechism that references a mysterious verse in the mysterious book of Revelation. So I remember I read this verse and I thought I had discovered something that had uh, people hadn't written about. And then I found it's right here in the catechism. But in catechism number 2159, it says, quote, the name one receives is a name for eternity, end quote. So that's your name. Your name is going to last for eternity. But then it adds that we can expect something specific in heaven, quote, to him who conquers, I will give a white stone with a new name written on the stone, which no one knows except him who receives it. In other words, God will give us each a nickname, which I'm really excited about. Author David Brooks has described how he went to a summer camp for years and how he became closer to the people that he knew in that summer camp than anybody else in his life, including his college friends. He said they never called him David. He said they probably didn't even know his name was David. They only called him Brooksy. They only called him his nickname. My mom used to call each of us a nickname. And to this day, it always seems wrong for me to name somebody in my family out loud besides using their nickname. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it denotes a special relationship you have with somebody when you have a nickname for them. Well, we all are going to be given a nickname, it says it in the Bible, by God himself. So if and when you get to heaven, he will reveal this name and it'll mean something about you that he loves, that only he understands and only you understand as well. So he'll call you by your given name in heaven, but he'll also reveal your nickname. And it'll be a name like Peter or Abraham or Sarah that sums you up perfectly and says something about you that only he and you truly understand. So that's in the catechism, so it's legit. But the catechism quotes the book of Revelation once more, where John the Apostle describes what he saw when he saw heaven. Then I looked, and lo, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, he wrote. And who is with the Lamb? A multitude of thousands who, quote, had the name of Jesus and his Father's name written on their foreheads. Well, we'll have a lot more to say about identity in the coming episodes, but let that stand for now as a summary of what it means to have an identity in Christ. When you get to heaven, he will literally reveal a unique nickname that tells you something special about yourself that only he and you know. At the same time, he'll love you such that he practically wants to tattoo his name on you. All right, I don't think you're literally going to have his name on your forehead, but in some significant figurative way, he wants to make you his own and make you share in his name. I like the way Gerard Manley Hopkins summed this up in a poem. I don't think he had this particular verse in mind, but in As Kingfishers Catch Fire, which he wrote in Easter of 1877, he saw Christ in a bird, in a kingfisher that was diving in the water, but also in every human being. And he wrote, Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. 
And that is ultimately the point of Jesus becoming a baby and receiving a name. He's not just a great God for us to be reckoned with or a being beyond our understanding. He's one of us. He's our brother. And as Hans Urs von Balthasar said, loving and being loved is God's passion. The Second Vatican Council declared in Gaudium et Spes that, quote, in the face of the modern development of the world, the number constantly swells of the people who raise the most basic questions or recognize them with a new sharpness. What is man? What is this sense of sorrow, of evil, of death, which continues to exist despite so much progress? The Church firmly believes that Christ, who died and was raised up for all, can, through his Spirit, offer man the light and the strength to measure up to his supreme destiny, nor has any other name under the heaven been given to man by which it is fitting for him to be saved. In that name, it says, can be found the key, the focal point, and the goal of man as well as all of human history. Wow, that sums up exactly what this podcast is all about. We will see exactly how it works, how Christ reveals man to himself, reveals us to ourselves as we continue to trace our history and his in God's extraordinary story. The Extraordinary Story is written by Tom Hoops and produced by Ex Corde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Our mission is to produce media that will transform culture in America through Benedictine's mission of community, faith, and scholarship. Visit us at excorde.org.